Last time on Licensed to Parent. Our first obligation in the raising of a child is not to the child. Our first obligation is to God the Father. And your second obligation is to your neighbor. And your third obligation is to your child. That's John Rosemond, author of The Bible Parenting Code, Revealing God's Perfect Parenting Plan. You see, parenting is about more than just the kids. It's about serving God and others through your parenting. And we'll talk more about that today on Licensed to Parent. And welcome to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy, a one-year wilderness-based therapeutic program for teens in crisis. Our host is the founder of Shepherds Hill, Trace Embry, and I'm Rich Rosell. And as you heard just now, last week we visited with psychologist John Roseman, and he agreed to do another program with us, and this is that program. Trace? Well, John, last time we were laying some foundational ideas, thoughts, concepts, principles uh, about uh, a biblical worldview and raising kids and how important that actually is. But even for those claiming to have a biblical worldview, uh, one of the the fundamental mistakes these parents uh, make a lot of the times is believing that the child is fundamentally good. I mean, right, I mean, right out of the womb, it's hard to you know say that little child is is uh, bent toward evil. But do we ever have to train a child to do wrong? Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, uh, I think it comes natural. Yeah, you you've come out of the gate with uh, one of the things I tell uh, point out to parents: you do not have to teach a child wrong behavior. Uh, Children, one example that I give is that as soon as a child learns to speak, he begins to lie. (laughs) And the first lie he tells is a replication of the first lie recorded, and that is, I didn't do it. Um, (laughs) Which is is recorded in Genesis chapter 3. Uh, a child who's never been lied to, who should logically have no understanding of a lie, nonetheless, as soon as he begins to talk, begins to lie. Children, uh, a- as soon as they begin to express their will, they begin to demonstrate that they are more inclined to uh make decisions, and they're making decisions when they're toddlers, they are more inclined to make decisions that benefit themselves rather than decisions that benefit anyone else, parents, peers, siblings, et cetera, et cetera. Well, all you got to do really is go to a, any daycare and uh, watch the little two-year-old club the other two-year-old to get that kid's cookie. I mean, that's just how they're, they're wired. I forget who it was. Someone said, a baby doesn't kill you for lack of intent. A baby doesn't kill you because of lack of ability. And that's probably true because if a baby uh, had to kill you to get your, get, uh, get your cookie, he'd, he would likely do so. Um, when a person, whether it's a, a kid or a parent, buys into a false premise such as you know, humans are fundamentally good. Uh, the rest of any narrative can then actually start to make sense. Uh, how do you explain so many Bible-believing, self-proclaimed Bible-believing Christian parents buying into so many false premises and therefore false narratives about child-rearing when Scripture is very clear about what these things ought to be? 
Well, uh, the, the simple answer to that, and, and it is a very simple answer, is that the world is uh, is a magnet, and um, it's a very powerful magnet. And most people uh, buy into uh, the world's secular, humanist, atheist, uh, serpent-informed values without even thinking about it. Unfortunately, I can't stress this enough that these problems are, uh, let me put it this way. So uh, I speak in secular environments and I speak in church environments. So I spoke at a major dental conference, spoke all day. Two days later, I spoke at a conservative PCA church. I was asked the same basic fundamental questions by a group of dentists as I was asked by a group of professing Christians. And this should be disturbing to us that we are having, we in community are having the same problems in child rearing as people who have no faith. Uh, Even people who think that belief is absurd and ridiculous. And uh, that, that should disturb us greatly, that we as Christians are drawn so uh, unwittingly by the magnet of the world into behavior that is clearly unbiblical and clearly not in the best interests of our families or our kids. Trace, I know that at Shepherd's Hill, you are kind of fighting the uphill battle uh, with the kids who come there against what culture has been teaching them. And you've often said that culture is the other parent uh, and that the smartphone is the other parent. I think one of the things that we as parents have picked up is this desire to teach our children all things at all times, including the why behind our decisions that we make as parents. I'd I'd like both of you to, to touch on that briefly. How important is it for parents to answer all of the why questions and boy, you sure get those about the time they hit the age of two, and then everything is why, including the answer to the question why. Well, Trace, uh, just starting with you, from what you've learned at Shepherd's Hill, do we need to do that at all as parents? Well, I think there's no problem with giving a kid why. But when it becomes, you know, this routine thing and Junior's not going to do what Junior's supposed to do until he gets a why, that's a problem. And, and parents, you know, they capitulate to that. And, you know, the older the, the, the kid gets, the more whys you want to give them. But even then, uh, sometimes you just got to say, uh, look, I don't have time to answer that. I don't have the why right now. Just get it done. Uh, kids, they get it. Sometimes you just got to bottom line some things. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, because I said so isn't such a bad idea in, in, the way I see it. But right. as, as they get older, you know, if you can give them some whys behind some things, I'm okay with that. John. And, and John, that's, I was about to say, that's the title of one of your books, Because I Said So. And uh, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, does God, for example, always give us the why behind his, uh, his leading? No, he rarely does. Uh, and uh, as a student of Scripture, I can't think of one situation, in fact, where God uh, gives us a reason for uh, doing what he's doing much less is concerned about whether we accept the reason or not. Uh, One of the things I point out to parents is, and and I believe in because I said so, because more often than not, 
and I mean more often to the tune of probably 98% of the time, uh, why and why not are not legitimate questions. They are invitations to do battle. The child learns very early in life, unfortunately, most American kids, that uh, they ask why, and their parents will give them reasons. And uh, children then construct arguments out of the reasons their parents give them. If these were legitimate questions, then there would be times when the child would say, well, you know, Mom, your answer to my question has just opened up new pathways of thinking in my brain. And uh, I have to say that I have much more appreciation for your point of view now that you answered that question. No, they, they don't say that. They, they give you a but mom, but mom, but mom, but mom. And as long as you stand there, the argument will rage. So the question then becomes, is because I said so biblical? And the answer is absolutely. Check out Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. Children, says Paul, obey your parents in the Lord. So this is right. In other words, okay, he doesn't say obey your parents if they give you a good reason. Obey your parents if they uh, promise you a, a big enough reward. Obey your parents if they threaten you with a huge enough punishment. Just simply obey your parents as you would obey the Lord because that is correct, the correct thing for you to do. So in effect, because I said so, is properly representing God to our children, and therefore it is a proper response. Yes. Um, I, don't, I don't think a lot of kids are capable of understanding the why anyway. Uh, you want a why? Obey first. That'll open up a lot of uh, uh, answers for you right there. Oswald Chambers talks about as far as hearing from God, as you obey the light God gives you, he gives you more light. Uh, so uh, the wise uh, will take care of themselves when obedience takes place first. But that's a poisonous word, a very toxic word mm -hmm. to people who have been indoctrinated with a secular worldview today. Yeah, the mental health community, as they began to position themselves as the go-to experts when it came to the raising of children, late 60s, early 70s, demonized obedience and created this myth that the obedient child wasn't thinking for himself. Uh, he had been intimidated into obedience. Um, he was, uh, his parents were training him to be a mindless robot. And <laughs> I tell people all the time, not one thing that psychology has told us about children or child rearing over the last 50 years is correct. And this is a good example. The research, which psychologists are not going to tell you exists, clearly affirms common sense and the Bible. Research finds the most obedient children are also the happiest kids with the highest levels of well-being. Obedience to legitimate authority is good for our children, and it's good for us as well. Absolutely. And that, that common sense that you were talking about, uh, we have to understand because of the postmodern worldview that we've bought into since the 60s, is not as common as it used to be. Now, it should be common among the church, 
uh, and you and you hopefully you've got a, a church body that can and an extended family that can back you up with what common sense ought to be. But uh, we have to teach our parents to to swim upstream because we no longer live in the 60s anymore. Uh, so when my kids started having kids of their own, I told them that their biggest challenges in raising their kids in today's America would likely not be getting their kids to behave, but rather helping them, my grandchildren, know how to interact with other kids and a culture uh, that will have no clue how to relate to their, their uh, differing premises and values about life and healthy parenting relationships, parent-child relationships, at least not without some childhood-long discussions with their kids about these things as, as they get older. John, can you speak to that? Well, parents need to be familiar with Scripture so that when, they're, uh, when they are discussing the things of that sort with their children, and I'm certainly in favor of teaching children proper behavior, uh, that the parents in question are capable, because of their familiarity with Scripture, of opening their Bibles and saying, you see what it says right here, wherever the right here is in the Bible, you see what it says right here, and this is the book by which we conduct ourselves in this family. It is very important that children understand that, and I'm addressing parents in our audience, your children do not think that your parenting behavior is arbitrary, that your decisions are arbitrary, that your instructions are arbitrary, that your teaching, your values are arbitrary, that you just snatch these things out of thin air. It is very important that your children understand that those aspects of your child rearing are informed by the greatest authority ever and will ever be. And, you know, it's so important, parents, uh, to know that uh, if you want your children to submit to your authority, they need to see uh, you submitting to an authority greater than yourselves. But we're up against the break. We are indeed. We're talking today with John Roseman about his new book, The Bible Parenting Code, Revealing God's Perfect Parenting Plan. And it's available wherever you get your books. You can find out more about John on his website, rosemond.com. And that's R-O-S-E-M-O-N-D.com. This is Licensed to Parent, back with more conversation right after this. Shepherds Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered residential program for teens in crisis, is celebrating 20 years of ministry. There have been many distractions in our work through the years as a result of a four-lane highway that divided our land. As a result, plans are underway to develop a whole new campus designed to improve our students' therapeutic experience away from the highway noise, along with up-to-date infrastructure and staff offices, all to help smooth out the day-to-day operations. The five-year, two-phase plan will begin with a new dining hall to be completed by the end of the year, followed by two new school buildings, also containing a new studio for licensed to parent. Please consider partnering with us, building together a new and improved Shepherd's Hill Academy. Learn more and make your gift today. Shepherdshillacademy.org slash building together. That's shepherdshillacademy.org slash building together. And thanks for helping us provide healing to teens in crisis. Your children are teens now. They're growing up and gaining independence. That's kind of the point of parenting, isn't it? You're raising future responsible adults, but they're not responsible adults yet. 
They may be able to do things on their own, but you still want to be able to contact them and you want to equip them for success. So you decide to get them a smartphone. But why a smartphone? For most people, that means 24-7 access to everything on the planet. And that's not wise, nor is it healthy. Digital addiction is prevalent these days. In fact, we see teens of all ages dealing with mental health and behavioral issues rooted in overuse of technology. Issues that affect health, wellness, ability to focus, performance in academics, and more. That's why at Licensed to Parent, we want you to choose a wise phone alternative instead of a smartphone. More information is available at LicensedToParent.org slash wisephone. You're listening to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy. I'm Rich Rosel. Our host is Trace Embry, and our guest today, and last week, in fact, is John Roseman. He's author of the book, The Bible Parenting Code, Revealing God's Perfect Parenting Plan. Incidentally, if you missed last week's program, you can find it on our website at licensedtoparent.org. Trace? Well, John, uh, in your book, uh, as we do here at Shepherds Hill and, and, and Licensed to Parent, uh, you talk about the importance of training our children starting at a, at a very young age, younger than a lot of people, I think, would be aware of, and uh, and why there comes a time, uh, perhaps long before Junior's two years old, that uh, is very crucial uh, to his future development. Can you uh, expound on that a little bit? Well, yeah. I mean, most pe- people don't understand that even during uh, the first year of life, first couple of years of life, that you're setting... Uh, precedent. And these precedents, uh, given the fact that they are the first precedents that you are setting, are very powerful and enduring. Uh, a lot of questions from parents that I receive uh, pertain to two very common problem areas during the first two years of life. One is sleeping and the other is eating. And a lot of parents believe that during the first two years, good childering, good parenting is uh, in part defined by letting your child sleep with you and that this mm-hmm. fulfills some great inner psychological need that the infant has to bond and so on and so forth. And uh, the mental health community has implanted what I call psychological boogeyman in the heads of uh, American parents. Uh, The psychological boogeyman here is called reactive attachment disorder. If you don't sleep with your child, your child won't bond properly and may cascade into your child becoming, you know, a serial killer when he's uh, 18 (laughs) years old. And of course, I'm being a little uh, hyperbolic, engaging in some hyperbole here, but I have witnessed the long-term consequences of allowing a child to sleep in your bed, which is the marital bed. It is a bed for the husband and the wife, and that is all it is supposed to be for. Uh, I have seen the long-term consequences of this, and I will tell parents, look, don't let your children sleep with you. Yes, They will have some difficulty learning how to sleeping on their own. But in the long run, this benefits them and it benefits you 
individually and it benefits your marriage. Feeding. I get parents who tell me their children were developing food sensitivities when they were uh, six months of age. And I asked them to describe this, and they say, well, we, we tried introducing spinach, and he spit it out. Well, so what? Right, uh, you exactly. know, my daughter, my daughter spit out everything, every new thing we gave her. My daughter, uh, the fabulous Amy, uh, <laughs> who is now uh, our administrative assistant in, in our business, um, everything we gave her, she spit out. My wife, God bless her, she would just scoop up what Amy had spit out and put it right back into her mouth. Amy would spit it out again. She would scoop it up, put it right back in her mouth. Amy finally got the message, you're eating what we give you. And uh, as a consequence of that, Amy was eating raw sushi when she was nine years old. Wow. This is what you want. You want your child to be food curious. When he or she is uh, an older child, seven, eight, nine, ten, you want them to eat whatever you put in front of them. What a wonderful world it would be if all children just ate what was put in front of them. And whether they do or not is not due to some weird nerve endings in the end in their tongue. Uh, it is due to what the precedence you set as a parent during those uh, first couple of years. Yeah. yeah, and this this type of attitude and behavior, I think, is why you know, it's been said that too many of today's kids have accidentally ended up on third base, living under the delusion they've just hit a triple. How can parents bring their kids back down to reality? You know, when the whole world seems to be siding with Junior's delusion. Well, you know, and once again, it's uh, it's a matter of familiarizing yourself with Scripture. For example, Proverbs twenty two fifteen. Uh, foolishness is bound. What a powerful word. Foolishness is bound in the heart of the child, which means children are irrational. They are emotionally driven creatures. And it is our job as parents to teach them how to think rationally, how to control their emotional reactions to situations so that they can think rationally and it is our responsibility to do that for them as early as possible. And I will tell you, the best guide to doing that is going to be God's Word. John, we've only got a couple of minutes left. We're so grateful for the time you've spent both last week and this week talking about your new book, The Bible Parenting Code, Revealing God's Perfect Parenting Plan. But uh, let me give you just a couple of minutes here. Give us a peek inside the covers. What can parents find uh, when they buy this book? Well, they'll find 40 scripture, good biblical number, 40 scripture, and uh, I take these scripture and I develop an essay around each one of them that brings out of them a meaning that is relevant to the raising of children. And so, as I said before, for example, Genesis, uh, in Genesis 1, where God says that he is creating us in his image, how does that pertain to our responsibilities as raising children? How does love your neighbor as yourself pertain to our responsibilities in the raising of children? Most of the scripture that I would say uh, of the 40, uh, 35 
do not mention children, do not mention parents, and yet uh, they pertain very significantly to child-rearing. And uh, uh, I'll toot my own horn, all of the feedback thus uh, received on the book, and the book's only been out about a month, all of the feedback has been overwhelmingly positive. So I recommend the book without reservation. Excellent. And I, re- I recommend it also. And I want to challenge our, our parents. When you read this book, uh, it's going to be a gauge to how you, you yourself have been affected by our, our secular uh, society, our toxic child molesting society. Because when you read this and things are just counterintuitive to you, uh, as you go along, you'll start to uh, get into a stride where this stuff is now starting to be perfectly congruent with, with what's really deep in you. Like, okay, you know, you're laying a foundation, and you will find that you uh, will be more in stride as you go along with a biblical worldview. And that's really the, the, the fundamental thing that I think uh, uh, I would like to see you, and, and, and I didn't write the book, but, but John did, um, and I think John would agree. It's to bring you back to a biblical worldview. And these scriptures before each chapter uh, will help uh, substantiate that the Bible really is what it claims to be. This is just, again, what we used to call common sense. There's, it's not rocket science. And uh, it, it's all scriptural. And, and I, I can tell you that science backs up the Bible with, with these type of things. And uh, I, John, did I, did I go uh, astray somewhere with that? No, 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 no. I, uh, you know, it's a uh, ironic thing for me to be saying. Uh, I've written twenty books on the raising of children, and uh, I will still say that uh, we don't need any book on child rearing in the final analysis, other than the Bible. Well, I want to thank you for taking from the Bible, and uh, as uh, another one of my mentors, Larry Burkett, used to say, plagiarizing liberally. Uh, from from God's word, taking it and uh, and applying it to such an important topic here. And thank you also because Trace was planning on writing this book, and now you've freed up a lot of time in his schedule. So we, absolutely, absolutely. Thank you, sir. Yeah, John. Thanks so much for being on the program both last week and this. Always a pleasure to talk to you. It's always a pleasure for me, and I look forward to next time. Hopefully. Our guest today on Licensed to Parent is John Roseman. The book we've been talking about is called The Bible Parenting Code, Revealing God's Perfect Parenting Plan. Uh, You can get it through John's website, which is rosemond.com, or wherever you get your books. And again, it is a terrific resource. And let me mention another resource as well. If you have a troubled teen in your home and nothing seems to be working, it may be time to get some outside help from a residential program like Shepherd's Hill Academy. Now, the kids who come to Shepherd's Hill really do stay here for an entire year, living here, going to school here, working with licensed counselors here, and getting their lives turned around. If you're wondering if a residential program might be the best next step for your family, I encourage you to contact us today. You'll find a link to Shepherd's Hill on our website, licensedtoparent.org, And from there, you can contact our office and you can find out more. Help is available, but it requires you to take that first step. Now, if you are not a parent of a troubled teen, let me ask a favor. Would you be willing to help change the life of one? The kids who come here often have one foot in the jail and the other in the grave. But when they leave here, 
They leave here changing the world for Christ. In fact, one young man went on to become a youth pastor, a husband, and a father, and made such an impact on another family in his church that they felt compelled to write and to thank us. Now, your gift to our ministry in any amount can change one life, and that life changes many others. So please help by going to our website, licensedtoparent.org, and clicking the Donate button at the top of the page. And again, thank you. Our guest coordinator on Licensed to Parent is Daniel Fazina. Our technical producer is Carl Peets. For Trace Embry, I'm Rich Roslin, inviting you to join us again next time to renew your License to Parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. See you next time.